Welcome to the EchoCast, the podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like covering. I'm your host, Bon, and this week we'll be talking about all of the gaming showcases, the Division 2 Year 5 impressions, Bioware dropping their Star Wars MMO, and much, much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A special thank you to producer-level patrons Hassan and Horseman, supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix, as well as viewer-level patron Zinra. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Okay, so we're going to jump into the gaming news. This week we have seven topics. This is mostly going to be dominated by the showcases, obviously. So I'm basically going to go through all the games that kind of caught my eye. I'm not going to cover every single game that every single showcase did. It would just be too much. This would take forever if I did that. So Summer Games Fest 2023, Jeff Keighley's well, he's trying to make his big show. Um, I will talk more about it, but I still think that the Game Awards is really his premiere show and that for the foreseeable future, we're still going to have this as being kind of second fiddle um, as much as Jeff is trying to get this to kind of replace, uh, you know, E3. But getting into the games, we opened up with Prince of Persia as an Ubisoft title. I was surprised to see it here, knowing that we had an Ubisoft show coming a couple days later, which we will talk about after the ad break here. Um, But this looked really, really good. This was really impressive. I'll talk more about it during the uh, Ubisoft part. But uh, as a first impression, this surprised me. I remember when it first popped up, I even said, I was like, is this Prince of Persia when I was live streaming? And then sure enough, it was. And it was really impressive. It looked really, really good. Uh, Kind of returning, I believe, to the roots of Prince of Persia being like a side scroller, uh, kind of Metroidvania ish kind of game. Uh, the graphics look good. It had these really cool flourishes where I guess when you pull off like a special move or something, the camera goes from the 2d like side scroller and dives into the action and actually shows it almost like a, like a, you know, like a typical, like third, third person combat sequence. And then it pops back out. Um, it just, it looks really good. has a cool style. Um, And this little trailer they showed uh, was excellent, in my opinion. It was perfect for what they were probably going for. Um, And and I thought, especially after the negativity of the Prince of Persia remake that's been kind of in limbo, I thought this was a really good uh, thing for Ubisoft and a really good start for the Summer Game Fest. Uh, We did get the Spider-Man 2 launch date for PlayStation. It's going to be coming out on October 20th. We will come to find out that the September-October window is going to be pretty busy it looks like um so if you're a game reviewer or journalist or podcaster like myself it's going to be a busy year and that's really exciting um they showed some more footage of the spider-man 2 i have some thoughts on that that i'm going to talk about after uh, we talk about starfield um, because i think there's a thing to be mentioned about that Final Fantasy VII closed out the show. Jeff really pushed this as like a big reveal at the end of the show. And then it was just the game that everyone assumed was going to show. I know people obviously love Final Fantasy. I know this, uh, the the remake is a big deal to people. And this second part of the remake is another big deal. Um, I still think it's kind of overhyped. I I don't, obviously the audience is big. It sold a ton of copies. It's very popular. Um, I don't think it's technically a PlayStation exclusive, but it is. As far as we know, it's not coming to Xbox anytime soon. And I think even the PC uh, side of it is is in question. They, they, they're weird about that stuff. Um, and this was fine. I, I thought it was, um, I'll talk about the whole show at the end, but I thought it was kind of a weak ending. Uh, Jeff really hyped this up as something huge. I assume from his perspective, it was to for his show to announce this was probably a really big deal. Um, but I think from an audience perspective, especially someone who's not particularly interested in that uh, title, uh, it was just kind of like an okay thing. 
Uh, there was Mortal Kombat 1 gameplay, so uh, you know uh, this, you may know, this is kind of a, a somewhat reboot of the series after the events of Eleven, uh, the story there. This is kind of a, a, a rebirth of the series in a, in a way. The combat and the graphics and everything, the animations, like everything looks amazing. I'm not a fighting game person. I am not really into fighting games and all of that. So, you know, for full clarity, I'm probably not going to play this. I bought 11 when it came out and I think I've played it for like two hours. It was a huge waste of money for me. I'm just not good at these games um, and I'm not into the competitive scene of them and you can only play the single player so much and I'm just, I'm a button masher and so this this thing is it's one of those things that I highly highly respect and just can't really get into but that's okay. Um, then another game we had was Alan Wake 2. We had some gameplay from that. This game just looks wildly good, just very impressive. Even just from a pure graphical standpoint, it looks like what you would expect from any of the top of the line first party games from like a PlayStation or something. I think uh, the, the graphics, the characters, the animations, everything looks incredible. The gameplay looks, um, you know, scary and fun and spooky. And, um, you know, I, I've only watched a a playthrough of the uh the the alan wake like dlc or like expansion that came out uh years ago i've never actually even played or watched the first game but it, it seems like it's one of those weird things where it's like a cult classic but it was like successful um now what i'm seeing and hearing from people who have played uh some demos of this that were going on uh, over the weekend is that it doesn't really play like the old alan wake games those were very focused on using like a flashlight to weaken enemies and then shooting them with a gun or, or injuring them in some physical way. Uh, I kind of understand the story and there's a bunch of story reasons why you do the things you do in combat. I'm not gonna get into it because they basically, the, the previews and the reviews I've heard of the, the gameplay that's happening so far is that it um, is a lot different than the original original games. I think it's still reminiscent. It's still you know some vaguely similar mechanics and things like that, but it's it's different. It, it, it's a new thing, and and that's not bad. I mean, you know, a, a game like that that came out 10, 15 plus years ago, you know, they they have to update the mechanics and they have to bring it to modern audience. So, um, from what I've seen, this looks really really cool, and this is a game I am. 1000% interested in playing and I feel like it was a pretty good get for Summer Game Fest to to be able to show this. A really interesting game that I think we've seen before but it really caught my eye during this show was Banishers Ghost of New Eden. It's this interesting game where it appears to be it's an action RPG and you're playing as a guy who appears to have been like a like a demon banisher or a monster, you know, hunter. Uh, with his partner, his significant other, a uh, woman, um, and it it implies that she's dead, but that her spirit is still going with him, and you're kind of doing like a going back and forth between them to accomplish things uh, thing, and uh, it's implied, I think, during the trailer that you're trying to figure out a way to bring her back. And um, I don't know. I'm I'm into the the love stories and the sentimental things, and um, th this was uh, really uh, great. I think this looks like a really interesting game, um, and so does the next one, The Lies of P. So we've seen a bit about this. Um, Lies of P is a game vaguely based on the Pinocchio story, uh, which sounds silly, but then you see the gameplay, and it's a it's a Soulsborne type game. It, it's in that um, genre for sure. Uh, which is a risky thing to get into. That's a genre with its fans like the games to be a certain way and they expect certain things. Um, the big thing here is they were revealing the launch date, which is September 19th. And um, I did catch, I believe, a kind of funny um, Andy Cortez has played the demo of this and was extremely high on praise for it. Basically said that it's if you're into that genre, this game is doing it really well and um, that it, it controls well. The enemies are fun to fight. Um, it's just it's it's what you want from that kind of bloodborne souls type of game. And so uh, that isn't really my thing. My first venture into that was uh, Jedi Fallen Order and I didn't really care for it. But then I loved Survivor. And so if you know, if some of these newer games learn the lesson of Jedi, Survivor, and Fallen Order, is that it's 
good to have the ability to challenge the players who like those games. It's also good to uh, basically put in a baby mode for people like me who just want to play the game and enjoy it. So I'm curious to where Lies of P will sit with that, uh, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, towards the beginning of the show was a really interesting appearance by Nicolas Cage. Um, he is uh, appearing as a one of the survivors in the Dead by Daylight multiplayer game, and you're able to play as him. Now, the big thing with this series has been that it's a it's a it's a type of game where like one player plays as the bad guy against I think it's three or four. Um, uh, other people who are trying to survive and they have various tools and mechanics that they can use to fight off the bad guy but they can't like kill him it's the whole idea is that they're supposed to survive long enough and use the game's mechanics uh, to, to to make it out of, of the map in that round and you would expect that Nicolas Cage would play as one of the you know villains he's been or something as the bad guy but in typical Nicolas Cage fashion, he's not doing what's expected and instead is one of the survivors, um, which is weird, is not what I expected. And I, I don't think what most people would have. So when you're picking uh, the players who are trying to, to live to fight off the bad guy, you can actually pick Nicolas Cage as one of these fully voice acted uh, and, and all that. So even if you aren't interested in Dead by Daylight, but you enjoy being entertained by an entertainer, I, su I suggest you check out this clip of Nicolas Cage from the Summer Game Fest. Um, they've had like celebrities and stuff on this before, even at the Game Awards last year, they had like Al Pacino, uh, who I don't think even knew where he was. Um, but Nicolas Cage really hammed it up. He, he was really into it. Like, I think like last year he had like The Rock and stuff. And mostly it's been like celebrities coming on to this that kind of don't seem like they know what's going on. They just, you know, their, their agent told them to show up to a thing and they did it. But Nick Cage like seemed into it. I, I don't think he has any idea what the game is or why he's in it. He said that there's someone close to him as a big fan of the game. So he did it. Um, so, you know, whether it's a child or, you know, someone in his life um, that, that enjoys this game, he, he said that he's never been invited to be a part of a game before. Um, and I bet that's going to change uh, because if he's willing and, uh, you know, someone will offer him uh, some some interesting roles, I bet. Uh, and, and at least as a voice actor, I think would be interesting uh, because it would be hard to deny or hard to ignore that it's him. Um, but he handed up. He was, seemed very cordial. He and Jeff had a hilariously awkward uh, handshake at the end that you could barely see unless you were paying really close attention. And uh, and yeah, it was a it was a fun little part of the show. Uh, the final thing here I'll talk about with Summer Game Fest was Remnant 2, some gameplay from that. So if you remember the game Remnant from the Ashes uh, came out a few years ago, it's a kind of like a shooter souls game. Um, it, it's it's kind of a interesting thing. I, I really enjoyed it. I found it to be really hard as you heard me talk about with Lies of P and kind of those souls type games. I'm just not very good at them. And um, the uh, first remnant game was kind of in that same vein where I just had I struggled personally with it, but I really, really, really liked it. I thought it was a, an extremely good game and um, I, I wish I would have played it more in hindsight. So now the second one's coming out. I'm kind of curious, just like I was before with are they going to make it a little more approachable for people like me or are they going to keep it hardcore for people who really get into it? Either one of those things is fine for me. I would. I really hope they make it more approachable and, and playable for someone because I, I like the idea of I'm not into the a lot of the 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 uh, like Elder Scrolls and or um, um, Elden Ring and you know those games and I just don't care for the medieval like high fantasy aesthetic and stuff. So if they're able to do a um, a game like that, that that uses those mechanics in that in that genre but uses guns and cover and stuff like that i'm all about it that's that's my jam that's what i am absolutely into so um, i'm really hoping that that's going to be the case um, i'm really hoping that we uh, uh you know can, can see that happen so uh, yeah, so Summer Game Fest. Summer Game Fest was okay. I would say the first third of Summer Game Fest was like a four or five out of five. It, or, or I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna do the proper ten point scale. I would say it was a solid eight, nine out of ten. The first third came out hot. 
showed a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, and then it faded real hard, like extremely hard. And as I said before, even the big pop at the end with Final Fantasy seven rebirth, like that just does nothing for me. Uh, I don't care. Even if I had a PlayStation, I probably wouldn't be playing that. So it's like, and, and especially the way he kind of hyped it up, it seemed like it was going to be something that we didn't know about instead of something that we knew was coming. Um, and so overall, I'd give the show maybe probably like a six, maybe a six and a half out of 10. Um, it was fine. It was good. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think it was, uh, I said it in my, in my other, in my video, just about the show. It was the most Jeff Keighley show ever. It had some really cool highs. It had tons of lows and it was overall, it felt like a bunch of advertisements, uh, and yes, I understand he has to pay for it. But what I'm saying is that a lot of times, you know, it's with Keeley shows, especially you can tell the games that aren't there because of their merit. They're there because they paid him to show them. And, um, it just, I, I just feel like the majority of his shows typically feel like they're just filler. And like, this didn't need to be two hours. This should have been one hour. And then the whole thing is like, well, you know, you have to have the money from these advertisements to pay for the show. Well, if the show was one hour instead of two hours, you wouldn't need as many of those advertisements. Like, like it's, it's the, it's almost like this like beast that keeps like stacking on itself and becoming bigger and longer. And then it has to keep doing stuff to support that, but it ends up bloating more and more. I just like, I don't get it that he needs to like figure out a way to cap at least the summer game fest at an hour. And, and, and then maybe for the game awards, since it's a big drawn out thing with awards and maybe that's where he can do all of the advertisements and stuff. But the summer game fest, it just, to me still just feels like it has no heart and no soul. And it just feels like it feels even more corporate than E3. And that's insane because E3 was the definition of corporate. Like, so I don't know, but I mean, I'm not going to complain about seeing a bunch of cool stuff. I, I would rather the show exist than not. I just you know I, I still don't see it going a direction that seems like really good uh or that it's like improving a lot um but i'm sure some people will disagree and that's fine feel free to in the comments of the youtube video if you want to uh help with my uh, engagement uh, so the second uh story here is the xbox showcase my thoughts on that um i will premise this with i am an xbox fan um i i do try to be as unbiased as i can i uh you know am human so i'm not gonna be perfect i'm not always gonna get it right um and so you'll probably see some bias come out in my thoughts on this um and my kind of overall thoughts on all of the shows but uh you know i guess i'll just throw that out there so you can call me an xbot and leave if you want so first game i'll talk about is fable uh, so this is by playground games um they showed a trailer that i think had some gameplay in it uh the fact that you have to say i think is kind of a bummer um this this was like captured an engine for sure. Uh, but it seemed like it was a lot of cinematic. Um, uh, but there were a few snippets that you could tell were like, obviously some type of gameplay. Um, and it looked great. Um, the big thing here is that if you don't know what fable is, um, there's fable one, two, and three, I believe there was also, I think they, I think they released the, uh, the, the other game that was, um, Oh my goodness, what did it use? The Connect, I think. I believe that came out. I can't remember if that was just rumors or not. But um, the big thing about Fable is that it's like a it's a it's an RPG. It's you know set in kind of medieval, you know, aesthetic, kind of a high fantasy time. Uh, but the big thing was its humor. It was always really big about having some serious themes and story and stuff like that, but never losing completely that it was like a silly story or kind of grotesque or, or whatever. Um, and this trailer did a great job of portraying that, I think, um, kind of being self-aware, uh, kind of making jokes about its own genre and stuff like that, as well as um, showing, you know, some of the, the, the use of magic and things like that, which was big. One of the big things in the fable games that I remember was that you can make good or bad decisions. And if you made bad decisions, your character would literally like show scars and like rot. You would start to like, you, you could tell if someone's character was like a good morale or a good morality or bad morality type person. Um, and, and I assume they're going to continue with that. This trailer was really cute. I do suggest checking it out because of the way it, it ends. There's a Jack and the Beanstalk kind of twist to it. Uh, that's really cool. And, um, I just think the tone they're setting for Fable is great. 
and um, I don't expect this to be out for probably another year or two, uh, but I think, I hope they kind of put to rest some of the concerns people have had of like, you know, can the Forza people make an RPG? Um, it could be rough. Maybe it'll be rough around the edges when it actually comes out their first effort in a non-racing game. Um, but what I think they've shown so far uh, is promising. The second game I'll talk about is actually Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. The DLC um, had a gameplay reveal here that you know, it was doing its best to not reveal too much. Um, it looked good. Their trailers always look really good. Uh, you can't fault CDPR for their marketing. They're always pretty good at that. Um, I have seen um, some conversation by people who have gotten to play some of this DLC and gotten some one-on-ones with devs to learn more about it. And what's interesting about it is that low key, and I really don't think this is being talked about enough. This is essentially, this is the only DLC. So this is the last major content that's gonna get released for Cyberpunk. And they're gonna move on to the next Witcher and then presumably a, a Cyberpunk sequel one day. And um, it sounds like they've they they completely redid all of you know the RPG uh, skill trees and stuff like that. Apparently the AI has been revamped entirely. Now this was all for the DLC, but it's all gonna carry over into the regular game as well. And it sounds like low key they may be taking care of a lot of issues I still have with Cyberpunk. I still think that game feels very shallow and has a lot of mechanics and systems that just don't feel very good to be a part of, as beautiful as the world is and as, as lovely as some of the, the characters are to interact with and stuff. Um, I still think that a lot of the game today is pretty mediocre, but a lot of the things that I heard these people talking about that have been revamped for the DLC that are also going to carry over to the main game sounds like a a good reason for me to probably play through again. So if that's not a uh, endorsement, I don't know what it is. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is Avowed. So uh, this is the game that we famously have been living off of a, a, a little clip where you see a character like holding against like a staff or a book or a sword or something. And then like making like a, uh, you know, some kind of enchantment with their hand and kind of, uh, you know, doing the whole, uh, you know, the, the high fantasy magic thing. Uh, we've been living on that little clip of a trailer for like four years. And this finally showed gameplay. And uh, this game is by Obsidian. Um, and so what it looked to me was kind of like what I expect from a more modern uh, team that made the Outer Worlds. This um, Avowed doesn't look like the most graphically impressive thing I've ever seen. The animations look a little stiff. The A lot of the stuff looks a little out of date, you know, not completely modern. But Obsidian's strength isn't typically their technical ability, but is more typically their storytelling and their characters and things like that. Uh, anyone who played Fallout New Vegas knows this. Anyone who played The Outer Worlds knows this. The Outer Worlds is relatively short. It doesn't look that great. It doesn't even play very well. Like, I don't really love the gameplay but the characters and the story are really good and, and really fun and interest. It's interesting to be part of that world. And so avowed seems like it's going to be kind of down that path. And they've even said avowed was meant to be their own Skyrim when they started developing it. But then they've kind of decided since then, this doesn't need to be the biggest game they've ever made. It can be a smaller scope where they've said it's going to be more like the Outer Worlds than Skyrim. Now, I assume it's going to be bigger than the Outer Worlds. I don't think that they're making a small game or anything, but I suspect it's going to be more compact. And I'll tell you what, I really think people are starting to appreciate that more and more in recent years that, you know, not everyone wants to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla that takes like a legit 80 hours to beat the if you mainline the story. You know, you're looking at 60, 70, 80 hours. That's too much for most people. I play a ton of games and that's too much for me. And so, and then not to mention, if you want to do all of the content in that game, you're looking at hundreds of hours, if not more, right? So Avowed didn't really tickle my fancy too hard. Um, I'm not, you know, super interested in it, but it's going to be on Game Pass and I'll at least try it because I am interested to see what kind of world Obsidian made around this game. So I thought this was a good showing even for a game that I wasn't particularly interested in. The next thing I want to talk about was the Series S. So they're re uh, releasing a new hardware. So it's just going to be a Series S. It's in black now. It's 
and it uh, is going to have one terabyte of internal memory. So my guess is they're going to probably stop selling the 512 gigabyte one, uh, replace it almost entirely with this one terabyte one, and that'll just be the, the Series S moving forward. I am curious if we'll see like a bundled, um, you know, Series X that has like two terabytes in it. Uh, I could see that at some point and then still has the expansion slot if you want it. These games are only getting bigger. I uh, will talk about, you know, Starfield here in a moment, but I I just can't even imagine how big of a download Starfield's going to be. Like, I'm, I'm sure maybe they'll use some streaming tech uh, and, and stuff uh, to, to try to reduce the, the size of the downloads. I have no idea. Um, but... Yeah, we'll, 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 I, th I think that the more memory, the better. I have pretty much always had around 12 games on my Series X at any given time. A mix of AAA and indie games. Um, I'm not acting like I have like 12 Call of Duties on my on my hard drive or anything. But I've never had a big issue with the one terabyte. Um, I have considered getting a little bit more memory. Um, but I just kind of don't feel like I need it. Um, but I know some people like to have a lot more available to them. I don't know why, but to each their own. And I'm really curious to see uh, how, how that how that system will kind of sell. There, there's there's still grumblings. I uh, just recently saw a Bioware dev uh, talking about, and they were talking about what we're going to talk about soon with Starfield, and how the Series S is, in their opinion, holding back some games and what the games can do. Uh, if instead games were allowed to just be made for the Series X and PS5, there's been these kind of grumblings and there's always like kind of this conversation of how true it is or, or isn't and uh, and whether or not the Series S is holding back games. And I've seen both sides. I've seen some devs say that the Series S is just like how they have to plan for a lower tiered PC uh, platform when they're making these games so it isn't really that big of a deal but then i've seen other people say that you know having to make uh, having to account for that skew does cause issues so it seems like it's going to be a debate that's going to go on forever uh, i'm not really willing to dive into it but i'm glad this system exists for a cheaper price and i'm glad that it now has one terabyte of memory Starfield. Let's talk about Starfield. So they, so they, they actually did two Starfield things. They showed a short trailer during the regular Xbox showcase, which was really good. It's a really good gameplay trailer. Uh, and this was before the 40 something minute direct they did. That was only Starfield afterwards. So I'm um, without, I, I think I, I just probably need to do a video. Like I might do like a breakdown video or something uh, going into just Starfield, but to, to talk about it here in some, you know, brevity, is it just looks so good it's everything i wanted i had chills when i was watching the trailer there um the the music is great the visuals are better than i expected um the gunplay looks super good in combat a lot of the movement and stuff looks way more um looks just a lot tighter than i expected um the, the worlds from what we've seen look varied and you know there's just so many things like what they what they did really good was um, made it very clear that there's going to be a main quest line, which we barely know anything about, which I love because I bet the story is going to be awesome. And I've seen some people be like, well, they haven't talked about the story. It's probably going to suck. No, I think the story is going to be great, but I think they're doing almost like a Zelda thing, like a Tears of the Kingdom thing where they're showing off all of the mechanics of the, the world and the game uh, because that is speaking for itself. And then the story is going to be the icing on top, which I actually don't, I'm not under the impression that Tears of the Kingdom story is really that great. At least that's the impression I'm under. But just what they showed in this is they, you know, from things like how you can build your ships in these insane ways, you can recruit your crew, you can romance, you can you know, be a pirate, you can be a good guy, you can make bases on planets, you can do resource collection, you can upgrade things, you can, you know, and that was all stuff that had nothing to do with like the story. And it's, and, and I, they did such a good job of showing that there's a really good chance you're going to get in there, you're going to do a few of the story beats, and then you're just going to get lost. And you're just going to start getting into side stories, discovering environmental storytelling on whether it's various planets or on planets. Um, the one thing that makes me a little uh, concerned or not concerned, but 
I'll be holding my breath for is that they talked a lot about like procedural generation and things like that. And they made it pretty clear that like, like they even said, like, you can go to the same place in the same universe as your friend and the planet that you will land on will be different than them because it's going to be procedurally generated. I'm curious to how what the balance is going to be between like handcrafted worlds and cities and, and stuff like that and the ones that are going to do procedural generation my guess is that there's going to be a handful of handcrafted things which will be really good probably where all the story beats are and stuff and then there's going to be a ton of procedurally generated stuff my guess is that they're going to have a ton of side stories and things like that that will be stuck into the procedural generation but themselves will be handcrafted so in order for them to show up on the planet the planet will have to have very specific things procedurally generated so that that side mission or whatever fits into that environment um, so i'm excited I'm, I'm really curious to see what that that's all about um, obviously the news came after the show i think during it as well that the game is going to be capped at 30 fps on console that's been the topic of a lot of conversation um it, and it's gonna be 4k 30 on series x and i believe it's 1080p and or 1440p on series s i can't remember which one and i don't have it right in front of me so either way it doesn't really matter um it's an interesting conversation happening around that because what's funny to me is that most of the people i see complaining about it are people who i'm almost certain are going to play on pc anyway so it's like not going to affect them i don't know why they're so worried about it um, but even if they are just trying to stand up for their community or something, the 30 FPS thing, um, you know, you, you saw Todd Howard and Phil Spencer on the various interviews since have talked about how it's an artistic decision. And I've seen people call that out as BMBS, and maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but what I will say is that uh, I, I saw some commentary from other developers. Uh, there was a developer from Bioware talking about it who I interacted with, and I've seen a bunch of others talking about it, and that the idea of it is that the uh, some of the commentary has been well the how can how can the series x not run this game at 60 um and it's not that it can't run it at 60 it's that they wanted to run at 4k and i don't agree with that decision i could care less about 4k i'll play games at 1080p if they're running at 60 fps at least but I'm not the one making the game. I am. The only thing I'm actually concerned about with the 30 FPS thing um, is like the gunplay. I'm, I'm, this game looks like it has a good shooting mechanics. And so I'm a little concerned that on console, it's going to make the shooting feel a little choppy. Um, that said, my game of the year last year was a Plague Tale Requiem. And at the time, the game only played at it was 4K 30 FPS on Series X. And that I, and, and I, I guess I noticed but not really. And the funny thing is since then they've done a 60 FPS patch and I think it feels worse because it, it looks a lot worse. So it's one of those things where I would say a Playtale Requiem is a pretty good example where they initially released the game running at close to 4k at 30 FPS. And yeah, it felt a little okay. It didn't feel great at first, but I got over it because it still felt really good. And the game was super good. And the story was good. The environments were good. The combat was fun. Like, all of those things were so good i didn't care about the 30 fps i would have preferred 60 but now that they have 60 in requiem i actually don't like it i went back to play it again played through the 60 a little bit and i was like ah I, this actually doesn't it doesn't feel amazing and it doesn't even look that it, and it looks a lot worse so you know without being too much of a of a bootlicker here I, I don't think it's that big of a deal and there's also two other factors one if they allow mods on the console version of this game the way they did with fallout 4 someone's gonna mod in 60 fps like like that and the other part is that there's a i'd say there's a really good chance that in december or even like next summer um that they're going to come out and say hey we figured it out we have a 60 fps patch coming for series x and uh and there you go you know we we, we did it because you have to look at Skyrim and even Fallout 4 and even New Vegas, uh, even though that wasn't made by Bethesda, and even Fallout 3. Bethesda games have legs and people are going to be playing, and especially with the way it's shown, Starfield is going to have a lot of people playing it for five years, maybe for 10 years. And so you can't be super short sighted when you think about these games. Um, looking at the trailer as I'm yeah, on the video version of this, I have the trailer playing. Uh, like you can you can like hijack other ships and go on the ship and kill the crew and steal their ship oh 
It's just, it's so cool. Anyways, through the FPS thing, I understand where the conversation is coming from. I just think it's funny that like someone who commented on it uh, was like, oh, this 3D FPS thing I think is bad. And I was like, well, honestly, the, the bigger hindrance for that is that, you know, people using a controller for a Fallout for a Bethesda shooter game uh, there, at least Fallout 4 doesn't feel very good on controller, in my opinion, uh, the combat. And uh, so I think that more than likely controller shooting is going to feel way worse than a 30 FPS. Now, maybe they're kind of connected and maybe one will not feel great because of the other. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I just I think it's I think this was a really, really good showing for Starfield. I think it's the showing that they needed and it has most, I think, reasonable, reasonable people like insanely excited. I think this 30 FPS talk has some genuineness to it. I also think it's kind of a nitpicky thing where uh, this was so good. People had to find a reason to be unhappy and that's just the way it goes. So we'll see. The next game I want to talk about was Star Wars Outlaws. And so this was an interesting um, thing to be shown here because uh, there was an Ubisoft forward the next day, which we'll talk about here in a moment after the ad break. Um, but this was just a trailer and it looked super, super good. I was really impressed by it, um, even just as a trailer. Obviously, there was no gameplay yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I thought uh, this is from the team that made the division. So if you know me, if you know my content, you know that I'm pretty close with, you know, with at least a few people who are involved with Ubisoft Massive, who is making this and the Avatar game. Um, it just it looks cool. And the main character, she looks really fun and interesting and, and kind of witty. And she has kind of like a young Han Solo vibe to her. And um, th this game I'm really, really interested to see what Ubisoft Massive, who did the Division 1 and 2, um, can do when they aren't beholden to a loot system, to multiplayer, to PvP, when they're allowed to just make a cool single player game with a bunch of cool story beats and a beautiful open world and multiple planets. I'm really excited to see what they can do with that because um, I, I have sang the praises of Ubisoft Massive for many years. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because of the games I prefer and the people I know. But I think they're the best studio at Ubisoft. I, I think studios like Red Storm are right there as well. But Ubisoft Massive does some really good stuff. And I still think as, as heralded as The Division 2 is, I still think it's underrated, um, even by the people who play it, it seems like sometimes. And... Um, yeah, this trailer looked great, and I'll talk about more. I'll talk about the gameplay during the Ubisoft Forward uh, chat. Uh, we saw a game called South of Midnight. It was only a cinematic. Uh, this is by Compulsion. I believe they made like We Happy Few and some other games that haven't been super uh, well received. But uh, just the simple th this um, this trailer had kind of a Miles Morales um, the Spider-Verse kind of feel to it. It was animated and they had kind of that low frame uh, animation going on. And so it was like kind of hitchy and it just looked really, really cool. The visuals in this were great. The, the mood that this trailer set was really cool. But because of their issues with the games that they've had before, I won't get overly excited quite yet because, you know, they kind of need to actually knock a game out of the park before I think we get, you know, too excited. Uh, we had Forza Motorsport um, show up with its launch date. This is being made by Playground, um, and it comes out on October 10th. This is where I was saying before, Spider-Man 2 coming out 10 days later. It's going to be a busy October for game reviewers, I think, and myself on this podcast. Um, Forza Motorsport is interesting. You see a lot of people talk about, like, oh, they prefer Horizon because it's more arcadey. They can just drive through everything, and, and it's more fun for them. Um, you can't ignore motorsport, though. It, it is the it, it's it's taken, in my opinion, the Gran Turismo spot of like this, the, the casual sim and um, just with its depth and its graphics and its uh, uh, physics and then all of the systems it has that work together to make a really fun game. Um, I always get really into these games for like a couple weeks and then I tend to drop off, uh, but it's always a really fun few weeks. And again, going back to the whole Game Pass thing, it makes that fine. And then if they release a DLC or if I just get a hankering to go back and play, I can just do it. I don't have to worry about whether I what system I bought it on or, or, or if I transferred it correctly or something. It's just there. 
I'll play it for a few weeks when it comes out. I'm probably going to love it. It's probably going to be a eight, nine, maybe, you know, probably I'm guessing it's going to get like an eight and a half out of 10, you know, like an 85 Metacritic score. Um, cause they make really good games They're The motorsport games are always really good, even if they aren't for everyone. So to get a date on that is really exciting. Um, and I think that sets up what will be a like pretty good year for Xbox. Redfall was obviously a down point, but if Hi-Fi Rush, Forza Motorsport and Starfield all hit pretty well, it's a decent first party lineup. And then they have obviously all of the, the day one and the not even and even the not day one uh, Game Pass games that really do make being an Xbox gamer fine, like actually pretty awesome. Um, I, I, I often on podcasts and stuff see like, oh, yeah, Xbox gamers could really use a win. Xbox gamers are mad about this or that Xbox gamers. You know, while I'm sitting here with a backlog, I'm never going to catch them, uh, mostly off of first party and or Game Pass games. Um, and so I'm sure there are Xbox gamers who are all of those things out there. I bet the majority of them, the ones who aren't super loud on Twitter and social media and who don't have entire personas built around being toxic jerks on the Internet. Um, I, I bet most people are fine. You know, obviously we want more cool stuff and it looks like we're going to get it. Uh, but I think maybe some of the woe is Xbox fan uh, attitude you see is uh, like kind of like, uh, you know, toxic concern almost, in my opinion. But we'll see. Uh, a game called Clockwork Revolution by In Exile was shown. Um, this was like a first person shooter kind of thing. Um, just In Exile. This was, uh, we didn't know what they were working on for many years now. And so to kind of see what they're up to was really cool. Um, there's a game uh, called 33 Immortals by Thunder Lotus. This is the studio who did Spiritfarer, um, which is a game that I think everyone who played it loved it. I really, really like Spiritfarer. I just couldn't stick with it that I hit. Uh, there was a there's a part of the game I hit that I found was just not very fun for me. And so I kind of dropped off. But I still really, really like that game. And this 33 Immortals is a 33 person co-op, like isometric rating melee combat game. I, I'm really curious to how they're going to balance that, how they're going to make it work. But it looked really, really cool. And at the very least, I'm intrigued. Um, they showed Sinuous Saga, uh, the Hellblade sequel. Um, I saw some people upset about this because it didn't show like full on gameplay. I mean, Sinuous Saga is probably not going to be a game that you say, wow, that's the best gameplay I've ever played in my entire life. It could be for all we know, but I don't think that's the goal. Sinua's story is a lot about talking about, you know, Sinua and the struggles that she has and the way they're presenting the story and the characters and her character and, um, you know, the sound design and the graphics and stuff. And if you think of it like that, which I do, it's just this trailer's great. And it looks like this next game is going to be a visual masterpiece. Um, I really, really hope the combat and other things about the game are so are, are really good and improved from the first game. And, and, and people say like, oh, well, I do love the combat of Sinuous Saga and all of these other things is insanely good. You know, I hope for that, but that's not really what I'm going for with this game, at least. And so what they showed, I thought was amazing. I don't know what's happening in the story. I don't feel like anything was spoiled, but I'm intrigued. And I think that's what they were going for. Uh, the last one is a game I could care less about, but I know that some people in the community uh, who listen to the podcast and stuff loved it was Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. This seems like it's kind of a sequel to um, Like a Dragon um you know the home of course i'm gonna forget what it's called uh uh the 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 silly turn-based uh yakuza game um this one looks like it's gonna continue the antics and even though i'm not super interested in it seeing people pop for this was really exciting it, it seems like the people who are into this series and into these games uh this was exactly what it seems like a lot of people wanted and that makes me super happy for them so talking about the, the Xbox showcase, uh, kind of wrapping it up is I thought this was really good. If I had to give it a scale, uh, you know, I'd probably give it a nine, nine and a half out of 10. I think to get like the perfect score, I would have wanted to see Stay of Decay 3. I would have wanted to hear anything from Halo or Gears, um, anything from um, the, the, the team who's making um, of course, I'm going to forget it in the moment, um, but but some of the other games that we didn't hear from the, the really high 
uh, the, the, the kind of high profile ones that we didn't hear from. But I did see a good point. I think it was Paris Lilly mentioned that the fact that, you know, say like a Halo um, and Gears didn't show up was uh was a really good sign because it was still a really 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 good show and it, and it showed people that xbox can exist without those ips being the top tippy top ips on xbox and kind of in gaming in general like they were at one point and so i i agree with that take um i thought this was really good i think the the starfield showcase uh the direct was just maybe one of the best presentations of a game i've ever seen um you know whether it comes to fruition or not we'll have to wait and see but uh and then i think the actual show itself it's so funny you saw so many people being like wait what was in the actual show and that's not an insult to the show because the show was really 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 good it's just the starfield direct was so good it was easy to kind of forget what happened before okay let's get into the ubisoft forward um this was you know it was it was really good uh it was better than i expected at least so they showed um star wars outlaws some gameplay and it looks awesome it i expected it to look at least like the movement and combat i was expecting to look a little bit more like the division and it didn't not really at all i if she was taking cover i don't remember seeing it or it wasn't like a prominent feature um where like she you know they it didn't have like a prompt to take cover it, it seems like it was it was more contextual um which you know we may be seeing in some of the games coming out in the near future and they um they, they just did a really good job of giving us a little bit of the main character's personality there were a few like i don't know if they were i, I think that they were in game uh you know the in-game animations but they were obviously up res because they were kind of set in stone uh but then you know they showed that we're going to be able to make choices and that we're going to have some freedom with like flying our spaceship and where we go and what we do and so you know probably in somewhat typical ubisoft fashion there's probably going to be like a main line of things that you can keep on and you'll be able to kind of spread out and do side missions and, and do other stuff as well. So um, they, they pretty heavily hinted that there's going to be multiple planets that you can explore, that it is an open world game. We'll have to see how big each open world is. I imagine that they'll be somewhat limited, maybe not quite as, you know, not like a Division 2 map for every single planet. But, you know, even then, you know, it's that's still going to be pretty impressive and i i just i really think this looked really good i felt like the vibe they were showing was awesome i think uh it looks like they have kind of like a red dead redemption system of the the dead eye system which for the type of character that you're going to be playing as i think works really well and uh yeah i think that this showed extremely well and and i think that it along with the next thing we're going to talk about like i said before really i hope is showing people that ubisoft massive is a force to be reckoned with and in my opinion kind of a unique force amongst um uh, within ubisoft the other game they showed from ubisoft massive was avatar frontiers of pandora and they had gameplay and a trailer and so they kind of talked about who you're going to be playing as um you know what the story is or what the origins of the story is and they got into you know the, the main idea of what you're going to be doing is bringing together all these clans proving that you're a real navi because of the story i'll go more into it yet um but then it showed the gameplay and what's interesting to me is it looks like it's going to be a big mix of like traversal gameplay which reminded me a lot of mirror's edge it should be known that the the the, the developer who's in charge of movement in the gameplay worked on mirror's edge so don't be surprised if you see some uh similarities there and then the combat is very far cry from what we've seen so far and i've seen some people try to portray that as a negative thing you know the best part about far cry is its combat like i would say that there's lots of other things that get monotonous or repetitive about that series but the gameplay is always great like the gunplay and you know shooting and taking down you know outposts and stuff like that is always a lot of fun so Ubisoft Massive, I don't think that they'd be the studio to just straight up copy anything. And like, I'm, I'm not expecting, even though it may kind of look like it, the combat to be like exactly like Far Cry. But instead, I think that, you know, there's probably some inspiration there, um, you know, and, and it's going to have a massive twist. 
um, you know, they, they talked about in some of the interviews I saw was that like you have to remember that when you're playing Avatar and you're playing as a Navi, your plan is like a 10, 11 foot tall, super strong, like super agile, like elite warrior. And so you're going to be able to do a bunch of really cool stuff. There's going to be combat from, you know, you're going to there's going to be these various regions that you go to to recruit clans to your cause. And they're all going to have like their own unique creature that you can tame and ride uh, to get around areas faster and things like that. Um, you know, you can customize your character, you can customize your weapon loadout, you can customize everything about your experience. Because again, this is another single player focused open world game in this really cool licensed world. Uh, and they did mention too that this will have a two player co-op, which I think is really interesting. And it's only going to reinforce that you're going to be able to kind of customize your own Navi who you play as. Uh, and so I, I think um the avatar game showed extremely well it comes out in december i believe it was december 7th which is really exciting i um i suspect that's when they wanted it to come out last year and and they and they didn't make it happen and, and there was probably good reason for that um but i'm sure they wanted to release at the same time as the last movie but you know instead it's going to turn into a nice uh in the middle uh thing i also did see um an interview with drew reckner who's actually a division two dev about this uh, and they asked if there's plans for it to be a live service it is not uh the avatar game will not be a live service game but they are playing two dlcs and so um and i believe the star wars outlaws is in a similar boat and so for any division fans who are hoping for a division three one day i would say the fact that both star wars and avatar are gonna come out and they will end development at some point after they come out uh i would be on the lookout for us to maybe you know start hearing some news about at least a division three uh development beginning confirmation i would say maybe the end of next year but that's a side tangent uh they showed off more, uh, some of the prince of persia gameplay i don't have a lot to say about it but i will say that a bunch of the pundits and stuff that i watch on podcasts and things like that who got to put their hands on this i saw multiple people saying this was the game of the show that it was their favorite game to play that they played while they were there that it was just it's very very tight it feels really good that it is that kind of metroidvania game that you you know maybe people didn't realize they wanted from prince of persia again but that it's probably gonna be pretty successful and that it even like runs extremely well i know one was saying that uh it, it runs at 60 fps on the switch and it looks incredible so now that that prince of persia game may be like a low-key huge success for ubisoft that maybe people weren't looking for uh, they also showed some assassin's creed mirage gameplay and trailer this is the game that's supposed to kind of harken back to the uh, kind of the og assassin creed games um if you you know if you're watching the video version the trailer is playing right now of that um and it does look like it's returning to kind of that assassin's creed 2 3 movement a lot of the way that you know things play out um you know reminds you of those old games the traversal and, and the parkour and things like that and the assassinations my goodness you're playing as an assassin uh, isn't that wild in a, in a assassin's creed game uh, after valhalla and odyssey had you not really doing that exactly it looks really good i'm really excited for it this is the the mirage is a game i'm really excited for and i hope it does well because we know that ubisoft is going to continue doing the valhalla odyssey style assassin's creed games but if mirage does well keep in mind mirage was meant to be a valhalla dlc they decided to turn it into its own game doing this return to the old school way of playing the game if Mirage does well, they'll keep doing this. So you'll have your two lines of Assassin's Creed, the old school Assassin's Creed that people say they want and the newer school type that for people who want more of a casual looter shooter experience almost. I hope it's successful because I want more of that and it looks really, really good. Uh, the Crew Murder Fest showed it, to me. It's just Horizon 5, you know, Forza Horizon 5 at home. Um, I thought that the crew two was one of the worst feeling games I've ever played in my life. Um, and it, it's a racing game with bad controls that like feel disconnected and don't feel good to play. And to me, that's just like such a sin of, of gaming. Like, and it's not even like, it didn't even have like a fun arcadey feel to it. It just 
didn't feel good to play where you play a game like horizon five and it does feel good to play you feel connected and even though it is arcadey it's not a sim you still feel like you know you're you're in control and it felt good at least in my opinion i found out on reddit some people disagree <laughs> um they show that's defiant like the the way they show that game is like i think it's gonna be probably pretty successful i think it's gonna have a lot of players i still to this day think that the player base of x defiant or at least the vocal part of it are people who really hate call of duty and more than they actually like x defiant but who cares if they're playing it i guess it just still just looks not good <laughs> like i think it and I've, I've been i've played it for a long time um and so i won't discuss a lot of those specifics but like it just it i don't i think the gunplay like it just doesn't feel good to play it's not nice to look at in my opinion but people are getting into it a lot of people played the beta and stuff like that so it's probably just going to be one of those games that i have to give props to for being successful in some capacity uh that just isn't my thing i guess a part of it is knowing or at least being somewhat aware of the original vision for it and it was supposed to be something much different than what it has become and so maybe i'm just sad that we missed out on that og vision but there we are and then they had a couple mobile games the division and the assassin's creed mobile games if you're into that stuff go check it out i, I could i don't care um in, in fact i'm kind of frustrated by the division resurgence which is their uh, mobile game because they're trying to like portray it as being this like narrative experience and stuff like that and it probably will be it's also going to be rife with like the mobile crap um but i just like you know if you have this cool idea for a story let, let's play it in the real game don't put it into this mobile game um so maybe that's just me being bitter i don't know but ubisoft forward show was great um you know some really really high highs some you know like medium lows i guess i would give it like a solid like i don't know, like seven and a half out of, out of ten i think it was a really good show overall um if it was just avatar and star wars and maybe prince of persia maybe assassin's creed mirage i would give it like a nine out of ten i think some of the other stuff is just just not for me so I, I don't necessarily want to down it a lot because it didn't cater to me specifically um but i thought it was overall a really good show for ubisoft and what's funny is looking at all of these shows if you would have told me six months ago uh that i would wonder who had the worst show uh if it was summer game fest or playstation i i i would i wouldn't believe you even as someone who is like an xbox fan um i think xbox pretty clearly at least for me had the best show and that was by quite a bit. I don't think Ubisoft show was that much worse than Summer Game Fest or PlayStation. And I think depending on your personal preferences, you could say it was better. And so I really feel like those three showcases are like really close together with Xbox being kind of set apart. And and, and that's surprising. I think that's interesting. Um, that's just my take, of course. Feel free to disagree with me and in the YouTube comments or if you want to track me down on Twitter or go to my Discord or something and tell me I'm dumb. But I um, overall, though, I think they were all good showcases. I don't think any of them were bad. And I think that means that we've had a pretty cool June for video games, a, a E3 season with no E3. Um, I do have a few more stories I want to kind of hit real quickly before I wrap up the show. Uh, the Division 2 Year 5 has released after uh, they had to do like 24 hours of maintenance. That was unexpected to get it to work, but it is up and going now. I haven't played through it yet. So far, I've seen people be pretty happy with them. Um, so they've always done these manhunts uh, where there's like four targets. You take them out, and then eventually you get to fight the main target of that season. Uh, the way they're doing it now is that there's actually um, four people you need to rescue. And then there's a big person you need to rescue, and that's going to be like the final part of the season. Um, I've seen some people complain about it. I think it's really cool. It's a it's good change up of how the season will play out where you aren't hunting, but you're saving. Uh, and, and, and it's all to try to build back up this new settlement in the game called the castle or this this reborn settlement, I guess, is the better way to say it. Um, so far, it looks really good. The cinematics, there's an opening cinematic that doesn't look great but i think with what they're working with that team it's fine it's okay um they introduced this new dog to the uh there, there's a petable dog in the warlords of new york um and it's it's a it's a puppy that is bigger it's like a saint bernard it's huge it's the proportions are way off um 
And then this new dog they have, it's in DC, you can pet it, and it is the ugliest model of a dog I've ever seen in my life. Like, maybe it's just an ugly species, like, it's uh, the type of dog it is, maybe it's just, maybe that's what they look like, I don't know. But anyways, um, it looks really cool. Uh, They did confirm as well, they did a big live stream last week um, for year five before it released. Um, They confirmed that season four of year five will be in Brooklyn. That's where the story DLC is going to be. I had predicted that a while ago, as well as other people, I'm sure. Um, But I'm really excited for us to go back to where the beginning of the division one was that's that was kind of the training area was Brooklyn. And I I think we're uh, we're returning there, which is super exciting. Um, They also confirmed that uh, 20 million people have played the division two since it released. Um, Obviously that's not concurrent. Obviously that includes, uh, you know, like free. We actually, I wonder if it includes free weekends or not. Um, Or if it, it, it would include when people bought it for like five bucks and things like that. But Hey, 20 million people is a lot of, uh, is a lot of people. It's hard to reach that many players. And so uh, no matter how they got that number, it's impressive. Um, I, I did comment um, that live show. The division uh, community was really, really lucky um, back in the division one days, especially in, in early division two to have like Petter um, uh, Yannick uh, before he was the head of, of the before he was the lead on the game uh, and uh, like, like Hamish. Um, and it's it's interesting because um, they, they've tried to do some of these live streams with with their new team and their new team, I, I think, is working really hard, is is doing, you know, a, a good job. You know, they're trying they're doing their best, but you just we, we, we maybe didn't realize what we had back then. And I think that you kind of have to realize what you're working with now. And I would say that. You know, instead of doing a God, like an hour and 20 minute live stream that mostly felt like people awkwardly reading off of a prompter, I really think they should probably just cut a nice five to 10 minute video for these content announcements and stuff like that. Um, it's, you know, I don't blame the people involved at all. I think they're doing the, the best they can do. And I think they're, they're trying really hard. I just think it's, it's like kind of a weird look and it's, it's like awkward to watch, uh, in my opinion. And, um, man, I couldn't do any better, but I also wouldn't do it. If, if I kind of realized that situation I was in, I would probably realize like, Hey, we should cut a nice tight five minute video with some proper, like someone, you know, voice acting. Like if we're going to read off a script, not do it live on a camera, but do it in a place where we can re-record and kind of work on it and things like that. Uh, but that's just my opinion. You know, you can disagree with me. Uh, Diablo four, I have reached, Act four, I'm not done with it yet, so I, I don't really want to do a proper review of it yet. Still really enjoying it. Obviously, I was on vacation for the weekend, so I'm, I'm a little behind now. I need to jump back into it soon, uh, which I will do soon, probably tonight. I will try to jump back in. Um, so, you know, I, I will update that as it goes. Uh, we did find out last week that Bioware is dropping their Star Wars MMO. Uh, they're going to be giving it to a different team. Uh, some of the Bioware uh, devs who are working on that game are going to go to that new team. I think uh, the studio is called Broadsword. Um, and then the rest of the devs are going to be offered positions uh, at Bioware or within EA. And ones that don't want to take that will, will it said laid off that, that if you're offered a different position and you don't take it, I feel like that's quitting, but that's just my opinion. Um, and the, the whole purpose of this is supposedly so Bioware can focus on the games that they have coming out with, which is currently Dragon Age Dreadwolf and the next Mass Effect game. So uh, hopefully for all of us who are waiting uh, with bated breath for those games, myself, especially Mass Effect, uh, that's a good thing. You know, you get in some weird conversations, whether when it's like people could lose their jobs and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, there's been some kind of interesting reporting ever since of some people saying that there there really won't be layoffs and that, you know, these people, you know, spots will be found for them or kind of like what I said, like if they choose to not stay, that isn't necessarily a layoff. It just means that the project you are working on is gone and you don't want to work there anymore. And to me, again, that's kind of quitting, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, and then the last thing was just quickly mentioning it. There was a bunch of drama on Twitch last week. Um, they, they made some changes to like advertising and things like that, that upset a lot of people. Um, it's all, they've basically reversed it all, but was in hindsight, what was so funny about it to me is that, 
Um, and I don't want to take the stance of like, well, it didn't affect me, so I don't care. But the thing was that all of the outrage and stuff, even like the big creators who were upset, like the, the changes that happened were because of some changes in government and, and the, the FTC in the United States has implemented some um, restrictions and some guidelines with how things can be advertised to keep things from being predatory. And so the changes they were trying to make were to comply with that. And, and the whole point is basically so that you would rather have Twitch telling you that you can't do something than the federal government. So, so Twitch tries to play as the middleman and tries to keep you from doing stuff that's going to get you in trouble with the feds and get them in trouble with the feds. And so, I don't know, it was a weird take. It, it turned into this big thing where a bunch of creators saw it as an opportunity to basically like just get a bunch of clicks from hating on Twitch because that's really popular. Um, despite the fact that, in my opinion, it's still the best streaming platform by like a long ways it's not even close youtube is still obviously is okay with just being a vod service this whatever the, there's some other uh streaming service that's trying to like dunk on this situation and um I, I i watched it for a minute and there's a dude named aiden tate or something that's their main like their big guy and he's like this like super controversial piece of shit so like you know maybe maybe i may i think it's kick i think that's what it's called and um yeah it was an interesting situation to me it was a lot of sensationalizing in my opinion and people misconstruing situations because they they saw other people you know who they just believe everything they say saying things so they jumped on the bandwagon or people misinterpreting things or not understanding why decisions were being made the way that they were made i mean you know i'm not gonna like defend twitch they're owned by amazon they you know they're 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 owned by a company that has more money than god right um but there's also like a weird obsession with like you know taking you know going after twitch when they're like like youtube is going to make these same restrictions if they haven't already this kick live streaming is going to have to do it too like like they're all going to have to do these changes it's just um uh, twitch has a way of uh one being the ones that typically do it first and then also kind of stepping on the rake when they do it and and maybe not always communicating very well so we'll have to see how that plays out I did have a couple of questions lined up for this week, listener questions, which you can put into a Google form. I have linked on my Twitter and in the discord, you can ask in discord, you can ask on Twitter and YouTube comments. I will take questions or topics or feedback in any of those places. This show's run long and I need to get off because I'm recording this on a Tuesday and I have another episode to record this week. So I'm going to skip the questions this week. We will maybe do a bunch of questions on Friday because I think topics will be fairly sparse. So hang tight. And we'll do a bunch of that. And please send new ones uh, in all of the ways I just said. And that's where I'm going to start to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm sorry it's late. I had this vacation. Things didn't work out timing-wise. I'm kind of glad I got to summarize all of the shows um, that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And uh, it, it, it was it was nice. You know, it was a good weekend for gaming, even though I wasn't here. And I'm and, and I'm still glad I was able to kind of get on and, and talk about all of this. And I'm excited to see what comes. We have a bunch of good games coming. I suspect more announcements. I know that the um, one of the Xbox execs said that they expect to have another show case probably early in 2024 so for them this is going to be like kind of like a you know like a like a beginning of the year and a middle of the year thing that they'll do every year so uh you know but we'll be playing starfield here in a few months we'll be playing forza motorsport we'll be playing a bunch of uh, we'll be playing an avatar we'll be a navi here in a few months as, as well as a ton of other games so uh, yeah so thanks for listening i really appreciate it send your questions and your feedback into the discord or the the google form and all of that um, that you can find uh, either in the discord or on my twitter i am all over the internet as von diesel on twitter youtube instagram and on twitch that's all i have for this one so until next time I'm gonna go